0: Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. I'm happy to welcome to the podcast today Roger Smelser, Vice President and Owner of United Service Technologies. Today we're going to be talking with Roger about five ways that the COVID-19 challenges have brought clarity to his business. Roger, thank you so much for joining today. Welcome to the podcast. Absolutely. So before we dive into um, the questions, can you just tell our listeners a bit about yourself and, and your background in the space and what United Service Technologies does?
1: Well, um, of course, my name's Roger Smelser and uh, United Service Technology is a company me and my business partner, Bob Heidkamp, uh, started in 1995. And the idea behind the business was to Uh, really provide um, a wide gamut of services for the grocery industry specifically. Um, We both had a background in grocery, so uh, that's how we got started. And uh, currently we service um, about 2,000 grocery locations in uh, the West Coast.
0: Good. Good. Um, excellent. And you and I have spent um, some time together over the past handful of weeks uh, in some some different interactions. And, you know, in our chats, we've sort of talked about this idea of, you know, some of the ways that our our current challenging landscape has kind of brought clarity to yourself as a business leader and a lot of other folks as business leaders. So, Specific to you, you know, we've outlined five different ways it's it's impacted you. And I want to talk through um, each of those on today's episode. So the first is that it's it's brought clarity for you to the need to create a culture of kindness. And I know that you've told me this is something that has really always been important to you but has just become even more emphasized as you know the last few months have unfolded. So tell us you know a bit about why it's always been important to you, how the current circumstances have brought even greater clarity to that need and maybe any advice you can share on you know how you've done this in your business and and how others might do the same.
1: Sure. Well, I think, um, we have done it for, uh, pretty much the entirety of our business. Um, we focused in, we always sit, like to say, we're developing a culture of kindness because you never really get there all the way. Mm -hmm. So, um, what we do is we really try to look for the evidence of a culture of kindness. And that's part of developing it, right? First, you have to kind of define what that looks like and, Mm -hmm. um, one of the ways we've been able to define that is just two words, respect and cooperation. <laughs> so when we see those two things happening um, within a department or uh, inside of a group, we can, that's our evidence that the culture of kindness is actually working there. Mm-hmm. And so we look at it kind of that way. We're looking for those two things all the time. I would say in, during COVID, one of the big changes for us has been um, utilizing different pieces of software that we already had. We already had an HR software platform that had a community kind of uh, building section of it. Mm-hmm. And what that allowed us to do is create um, what we call positive impressions. And so uh, peer-to-peer, they're giving each other positive impressions in a multitude of categories Mm -hmm. and that allows us to reward the desired behavior right Mm -hmm. and uh, that's kind of a principle we always operate our business on is only reward desired behavior (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know and yeah and so we're we're constantly reinforcing that through these positive impressions And then, of course, just through communication and casting the vision and making sure that people understand it.
0: Okay. So I have a question about that. So you said that um, respect and what was the other? Cooperation. I was going to say collaboration. So respect and cooperation are two ways that you know the culture of kindness is working. So if there's an instance where one of the two of those things is lacking, then how do you determine the root cause of that lack? Meaning, like, how do you determine if it's more of a, an emplo- a personal employee issue versus a breakdown in that culture of kindness? Does that make sense?
1: Yes. And that's a great question. And so that kind of goes back to why do you, what are the criteria you hire people based on? And so we like to hire on what we call the three C's, character, capability, and chemistry. Mm -hmm. So we want them to have the character to be a person of their word, to get to work on time, to do all those things. Mm -hmm. We want them to be capable of doing the job, but if they don't know how to do something, they need to be a quick learner. In fact, Mm -hmm. um, we'll tell a prospective employee that Our business doesn't afford us to learn slowly. There are a lot of businesses that do. Ours doesn't. And so we kind of give them a heads up. We're looking for fast learners. And then three, chemistry. Are they a team player? Do they work well with others? And what we find is when we're dealing with someone, whether they're not uh, uh, displaying uh, the culture of kindness properly or... uh, virtually any problem basically boils down to those three areas. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a tripod, right? And if it's missing one of those legs, it just falls down and it's not very useful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when we call people in to talk to them and, and try to correct behavior, we're usually dealing with one of those three things. And so mm-hmm. because we're not dealing with the specific issue as much as we are, these three things so if they're not showing up on time for example we're talking to them about their character you know what what does good character look like you know how do we improve this and we get to the specifics but we try to deal with the root cause
0: Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah, this kindness topic is interesting because, you know, I think to a lot of people it it could sound a little bit, you know, fluffy or woo-woo or, you know, what have you, but I do think it's really important and I've actually been having a lot of conversations recently with um folks about how you know, before these current challenges started, you know, kindness it, you know was appreciated to an extent but also sometimes seen as um weakness, you know, or potential for weakness, or, you know, um potential for being too soft or, you know, that sort of thing. And how the the perception of kindness and leadership has changed to be perceived as such an important strength. You know, I mean it's really kind of interesting how um, you know, facing these last few months collectively as as a business, as a community, as a world, you know, um, really has brought a lot of light to how truly important that, that kindness is. So, you know, I know that it's something that for you has been important for your business for a very long time, but I think even other organizations that didn't prioritize it so heavily before are really starting to look at, you know, how much of an important role it plays and, and how they could do a better job at that
1: well a couple of things so you do find yourself saying don't mistake my kindness for weakness <laughs> you know quite a bit and number 2 in order to attract to really attract um and keep millennials and gen z uh these days are also known as zoomers right mm-hmm. uh they're demanding that culture of kindness they're mm-hmm. um, uh, you know really even in all the turmoil you're seeing now in the media it all comes down to everyone just wants to see a culture of kindness right mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what yeah. these protests are over that all these things are, everybody wants to get to a culture of kindness i mm-hmm. think figuring out how to do that is is the part that companies sometimes struggle with i feel mm-hmm. like we've been able to accomplish that um to a large extent in our company. And of course, like I said before, you're always working on it. It never ends. You know, you're you finding new ways to um, make it more kind. We're finding that gamifying things helps mm-hmm. in that as well. And we do that in a lot of different areas within training and other things. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I don't want to get us too off track, uh, but that is kind of my specialty. Uh, <laughs> and, and one thing you said, it just made me really curious. So, what are some of the ways um, that those you know, younger um, employees of yours, how you said they, they're demanding a culture of kindness? How do you see that presenting itself? Like, what is the evidence of what they're looking for that makes you need to level up in this it's, way?
1: It's the questions that they're asking during the interviews, right? Well, one of the questions millennials will ask is, what is the culture like? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, we did. I never hear that from my my boomers or my Gen X people (laughs) coming Mm -hmm. in. And I hire across the whole gamut. But Mm -hmm. um, that's a particular question to them from them. And so that prompts the question from our interviewer. Well, what kind of culture are you looking for? Mm -hmm. Kindness comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where. Um, where we've been able to make some inroads because we're listening to understand instead of listening to respond during mm-hmm. those interview times. And I think that's a mistake a lot of companies make is they're listening to the person, but they're listening to respond with the next question or, uh, with the, um, kind of the criteria that they're really looking for in that moment.
0: Right. Or even listening to respond with, yes, here's how we can give you that, right? Versus thinking, yeah, versus thinking, oh, maybe we should think about this. You know, if this is coming up in these conversations, do we actually do this? Is this something we should consider? You know, um, that's a really good point because, you know, it's not the topic we're talking about today, but this whole idea of how companies need to evolve to be more effective in their recruiting and hiring practices as you know the older workforce retires is is a huge pain point for a lot of folks so i really love that idea of you know listening to understand instead of listening to respond because if if you can glean insights from that where you can go back and change your whatever it is job descriptions benefits you know whatever um, to make it more appealing and and improve your your success rates. I mean, that's a that's a really big deal. Good. So the second um area of clarity that we had discussed is the idea of how important a sense of community is. Um so I I've heard you say a couple of times, all ships rise with the tide, right? So tell us what you mean by that and um you know, how you feel about this importance of community.
1: Well, wow. I, I have a lot to say on that subject, for sure. Um, well, I, I do believe, you know, all ships rise with the tide. As we share best practices as an industry, it lifts the whole industry, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one of the things that's come out of this time during COVID and the pandemic is all these virtual happy hours, right? And so many of uh, many people and companies have participated in these. And for our industry in particular, I think they've been very, very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's we're getting together casually, but we're also giving updates on what's happening, you know, in our specific region and maybe some of the solutions that we've brought into play or policies that we put together to help us with COVID. And i um, kind of proud of our industry for sharing a lot of that information, but also disappointed that our associations are not more actively uh, surveying the whole group and then taking that information and putting it back out to the, the entire group. Mm-hmm. I think those are the things, in a lot of ways I think are, um, our associations and our groups that we all belong to, and there's multitude of them, have been their response to this pandemic has been anemic at best. And we've mm-hmm. kind of been left on our own to figure it out. And one of the ways we've done that is through these virtual happy hours, right? And so we get together, share a lot of the best practices, um, bring each other up to speed on what's happening in our different regions of the country, and I think it's been beneficial, and I think all ships have risen with the tide mm-hmm. um, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, there are a lot more uh, young people coming into the industry now. Mm-hmm. And we're participating in that. I'm sure you are too. And seeing a lot of millennials and Gen Zs coming into the industry, and they're networked already. <laughs> Mm-hmm. you know they're communicating this way already um i think as companies we've been a little bit slower or behind the curve um you know matching that uh that kind of communication that mm-hmm. kind of network that they they are already um just kind of born with at this mm-hmm. point because of the technology advances that they've experienced and they're coming up
0: yeah yeah, that's a good point. You know, I think in in my role of, you know, really trying hard to provide valuable insight to people and to to make connections and to share best practices, you know, I think the appetite for that has has definitely increased, you know, since this started. I think that people really want to band together and and feel as though. You know, I mean, it's a it's a hard time. You don't want to feel like you're in it alone. You know, you don't want to feel like you're on a on an island. And, you know, we we can't get together in person, but it's really nice to be able to um, you know, just talk with someone about a shared challenge or even just how you're feeling um or or how they're tackling X, Y, or Z. You know, there's a lot of value in that. Um, and I think that, you know, it's a it's a really good point. Um and hopefully you know i hope that that sense of community sticks i hope it sticks after things kind of you know get back to some semblance of of normal um and you know I, I think that the way that we've kind of bonded as humans you know i hope that that um is is something that remains i think so i mean for me it will uh you know um and I think if anything, it's just made me reflect on, you know, how much, how lucky I am, how much I love what I do, how much I love the community that, that I serve. Um, and, you know, because when it's easy, when things are going great to kind of take a lot of things for granted, I mean, it's in, in some ways it's, it's human nature, right? So it really gives you um, a chance to think about what's important. And, you know, this is, is one of those things. So the third area is um, clarity around your leadership um, and, and the role you play as a leader and what that has looked like. So what are your comments in, in that area?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm typically hard on myself when I'm introspective like that. Um, I feel one of the areas I've improved in that was uh, kind of a weakness prior to the pandemic is just I felt like I was going too slow right and the evidence of that is we were touched early by the pandemic because one of our employees um, had a father that tested positive um, and was in the first 10 cases in the U.S. and um, so when we found out about it early, we were able to jump all over it and start creating policy and do a lot of different things. But what I saw was we were able to go at triple speed to get things done than we normally do, right? And so, could we sustain a higher speed on a lot of these projects if we were really focused, you know? And I think that's improved a lot. We've been moving all of our projects along much quicker post COVID and we're not done with it obviously yet, but post the initial reaction to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's one area that as a leader and not just me, all of our leaders have grown in this particular area. Mm -hmm. Being quicker, having a higher uh, sense of urgency as we um, attack these uh, issues and problems, you know, there are many uh, changes and effects of this pandemic on every department in our companies.
0: Yeah, that's a good. I mean, that is a good change, and it's a very important one. Um, you know, uh, and I think that um, we did a podcast uh, a week or two ago, and and one of the things that came up was that that increase in in pace of change. Um, and it was with uh, with DSL. And I think one of the things he said is just, you know, how proud he was of, of the ability to step up and, you know, do things faster and, and all of that stuff. And I think that's, you know, you don't know what you're capable of until you're kind of forced, you know, to to really push it to the limits. And and, you know, a lot of people are, are in that spot right now.
1: I'd say the other big area is just communication, right? It's been my normal practice over the years to reach out personally to all our employees. I usually call two or three um, every other day and just try to connect with them. Um, But during this pandemic, the dynamic has changed, right? Now we're not just, it's not, hey, how's it going? Is there anything I can help you with or what do you need? Now it's health concerns. You know, I have one employee that has ten of his family members have tested positive for COVID, exactly. and uh, you know that's a whole different conversation now, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's worried about his family and and what you know what's ultimately going to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a closeness that generates from that though too. It's not you know a negative thing. It's definitely a positive thing and you you start to get to understand their circumstances a little bit better and, mm-hmm. and get closer as a company.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, those interactions have, you know, maybe before they were kind of somewhat on a surface level and now they've really dug deep into real life stuff. Um, I think it's a good point though, that, you know, when you were saying communication, I was thinking about the fact that if you as a leader are highly committed to creating this culture of kindness, um, that element of communication and more importantly, personal communication. And I would even even further qualify it as sincere personal communication. I don't think you could have a a culture of kindness without that. You know, I mean, I think that it's one of those things that, you know, and that's why I was asking you some follow-up questions on the the kindness thing, because I think it's something that is, you know, easy for anyone to say, like, we have a great company culture, you know, we have a culture of kindness and, you know, everyone loves it here or whatever. Um, But when you really peel that back and start to look at, you know, what are those practices that make that claim a reality? you know, doing something like being, you know, regimented with yourself of every other day, I'm going to contact two or three employees personally, and, you know, show them that I genuinely care and really check in with them. You know, that's a practice that I think goes a long way in making good on that desire to have a a culture like that. So I just think that's a really important point to touch on. um, Because, you know, it's, it's not just about coming up with some really great sounding company mission, you know, and putting it on the walls of the building. It's about those daily practices and weekly practices that foster that type of environment. So um, so good. Good job. You're, d- you're doing a good job. Um, that's cool. All right. So um, the fourth area we talked about was clarity in business strategy. Um, so talk to us about some of the um, things that have come to light about you know, where the business is heading and, and what needs to um, happen with the strategy to, to be successful.
1: Well, I think uh, everybody got into gear real quick, right, as the pandemic uh, turned on and we realized that this is bigger than we thought right because in the news Mm -hmm. early it wasn't didn't seem like a huge thing and it may not come over here Mm -hmm. and all of that but once it did you know you start really taking a look at what's important what's not and start really looking at your processes that are in place now of course as you're putting together your your policies that are ever changing, right? During this pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. things, things get mandated and then pulled back and vice versa. And so I think for, for us, the strategies uh, that we used um, during this pandemic, well, there were twofold. So we, we looked at them department by department. You know, what's, what do we expect the new normal to look like? Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we started strategizing on what changes need to be made department by department. And um, we actually first started with sales and marketing. And what do we need to do to help our customer at this moment? What Mm -hmm. could we do to help them? And um, fortunately for us, because we're in the grocery industry, um, only one of our customers actually shut down. Bakery, mm-hmm. deli, and meat departments. And so we came up with the idea that we were gonna offer a hibernation process to them, mm-hmm. right? And we would do it during our normal plant maintenance cycle for them and help them put the machines um, away in a way where when they came back and turned them on, they would work. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of experience in this because being in the grocery industry we've experienced grocery strikes. And mm-hmm. during those strikes, uh, we saw the grocery chains come back to equipment that wouldn't turn on, right? And so they, they blew up their whole maintenance budget coming back because everything was broken, frozen, not working. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was one strategy we used from a sales and marketing side. And then of course, um, you know, our, Our plan to, you know, I think in those moments, you're deciding what things that we do every day are we going to continue to do and what things are we going to eliminate so we can focus energy on more safety and uh, acquiring more PPE or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think for us, we decided um, because our industry wasn't largely shutting down, we decided to keep most things going. And uh, of course we moved, the strategy was to move a lot of people uh, home that weren't home already. We've always had work at home people in our company uh, for last 15 years. We've had many of them and even prior to that. Mm -hmm. So we have a good um, ability to manage our people at home and uh, coach them along in areas that are new to them because they're at home. And I think that's a little bit how our strategies have changed. You know, we've mm-hmm. we've just really come up with a new normal for each department and focusing in on that. Another way we do that is um, I'm an outline taker, right? And so I was talking to you earlier about uh, switching to kind of a mind map format. Mm-hmm and making things visual for our team Um, not only for them but so they're able to convey it all the way down to our frontline technicians Mm -hmm. in the field and that's been a powerful change for us um, that has really helped us to be more focused on the things we need to be doing to help Mm -hmm. our customer along
0: yeah you shared that with me is it coggle c o g g l e dot I believe um is is one of the mind map softwares that roger uses and and him and i were talking um on a call a week or so ago and he brought it up um and we actually he pulled it up and and we we did one together and um it's really cool i mean it's it's a great way i think you know, especially with so many meetings happening bir- um, virtually, you know, it's a really good way to take all of the thoughts that are bouncing around and put them up visually um, so that that people can kind of follow along on, you know, you might be in an hour long meeting that takes 73 different turns, you know, and and if you're not taking good notes, you get out of that meeting and you're like, wait, what, you know, what were all the takeaways or what have you? Um, and And just in terms of brainstorming and innovating and organizing you know there's it's a really really neat tool so it's it's definitely worth checking out and you know i'd be curious how many people um you know are are doing that sort of thing um i know for me i think it'll be a great way to kind of outline content and and brainstorm different ideas going forward so i appreciate you sharing that with me Um, Okay, so the fifth and final area of clarity is around the optimization of processes and technology use. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that.
1: Wow, um, that's a big subject for us. We have, we, we have implemented a lot of technology, um, partially for the, the areas that, uh, it can help us help our customer and partially because uh, that attracts and retains uh, millennials and, and Gen Z or Zoomers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we utilize it in many ways. So a few of them are we utilize an AI technology that um, allows us to triage the calls before we go and understand the parts needed and dynamically build inventories and things like that. Mm -hmm. We also use a mixed reality technology that allows us to um, support technicians in the field. And of course, COVID kind of changed that. So now we're uh, starting to support the customer in the field as well Mm -hmm. so that we're not in close contact. That's the ultimate distance, right? right? Yeah. And then the the one I'm most excited about right now is we're using a no-code... Application development platform that allows us to be more flexible for our customer. You know, one of our customers said to me once years ago that the two most important qualities in a service company for them were flexibility and reliability. And mm-hmm. um, we've kind of taken that and run with it. Um, we want to be able to customize the application used by the technician in the field so that they're they're basically walked through processes specific to that customer. And Mm -hmm. it's really helping us do that and provide things like uh, Uber style ETAs and that's a project we're working on now and other things like that. So Mm -hmm. that platform is exciting because we're able to do it internally and and develop our own application.
0: Yeah. So do you think... um... Do you think COVID has ramped up your use of technology, or do you think it's just allowed you to find different ways to utilize the systems that you had in place?
1: Well, I think we're unique in that we've implemented many technologies and uh, in our industry, at least from the the other companies that I'm talking to. Mm but it has really just expanded the use of the technologies we were already developing. We haven't really added a new technology as a result of the pandemic. However, we've made all of the technologies we've used more powerful as a result of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, um, so they reach farther into, uh, now areas where we're helping the customer, um, They also give us the ability to really um, focus in what we do on the current need of the customer, which is different, Mm -hmm. you know, now that COVID's here. And I think we have to have processes in place that are built into our, into our workflow in the field real time. And as those changes are made, we need to be able to make them quickly. Mm-hmm. and respond. And I think um, that's what the technologies have really given us the ability to do. I think uh, our our technicians, our management are all involved in working on those. You know, we mm-hmm. talked in the last time you and I talked together, we talked about um, one of the ways uh, that makes it easier to retain technicians is helping them develop their resumes right Mm -hmm. and uh we talked about the mindset of people like me gen xer and baby boomers uh, that job security mindset Mm -hmm. versus that employability mindset that these new generations have and um, we feel like if we can add all of these technologies to their resume it it adds value to them personally Mm -hmm. and they appreciate that. And you know, you'd think that it would be counterintuitive, right? You're building up their resume and they'll just take it and go work somewhere else. Um, but what we're constantly reminding them is who is building, who is helping you build your resume Mm -hmm. and who's going to help you build it in the future. Are you going to continue to build it here and you've seen the proof of that? Or are you going to go somewhere else and hope that they're going to help build your resume the same way we have? Right. And I think that's a real key to retention for us.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, Roger, um, what I'm taking away from this podcast episode is that we should have you back at some point in the future and do an episode specifically talking about best practices around recruiting, hiring, and retention. Because I, I think that you have some really good input on those areas. And like I said, it, it's a topic we've covered in the past, not in a while, because there's been you know all of these urgent top of mind things. But I think that would be a really good idea. And it's a very good point. Um, so um, good. Any other... I guess, comments or thoughts or lessons learned that you would want to share in closing?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, all the things we've talked about, uh, many of them have lessons learned and uh, when we talk about that new normal that's coming um, and really is already here. Mm the lessons that we've really learned as a team, as a management team in our business is that we needed to focus in on the structure of our departments and mm-hmm. our people and what they're focused on. I thought I think having a little bit more time and really the pandemic allowed that, allowed us to have more time to really take a look at the business, right? Mm-hmm and really decide, I think a lot of people decided they wanted to try to restructure a little bit to meet the need, um, but that caused them to take a look at the structure and that they may have not normally done uh, outside of a mm-hmm. pandemic like we did, right. and really make um, great changes. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you, during the pandemic, we've had the best three months in our company's history. And um, uh, I almost feel guilty saying that sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times I'm talking to a lot of companies that are in the, you know, they're in the sit down restaurant industry or Mm -hmm. they're in another industry that was severely impacted like hospitality. Mm -hmm. And um, those guys are just coming back. And, you know, recently we saw you know, we opened restaurants or we're planning to and we ordered all the food and now we can't open them. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of struggle going on with um, all these things and trying to keep health at at the top of the priority list is um, not been very difficult for us because we're in an industry where you have food safety and all of those things. We do a lot more training with our customer now than we did pre uh, pandemic. So I think that's a, a, an area where I think a lot of companies could improve and we certainly have during this time. So I'll just leave you with that. Really um, customer training is a, is a big piece of what we do as far as safety, equipment safety, food safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and just our technician safety on the job,
0: yeah, and we've talked we've talked a bit about how, going forward, I think safety is going to be a bigger differentiator for service organizations than it maybe was in the past. You know, in certain industries, it's always been important, but I mean, it's so critically top of mind for people right now. You know, what are your how are you going to keep us safe? How are you keeping your employees safe? You know, everything is going to be centered around you know, the, the details of what those processes look like. Um, and I think that, you know, that's something that's going to be a real important differentiator for quite a long time.
1: Well, many of our customers are asking for natural disaster planning, right? Um, Mm -hmm. in fact, it's included right in the RFPs from our customers. So you, you have to be prepared. I mean, every company should have a safety committee. Mm -hmm. And that meets on a regular basis and talks about safety issues and creates policy and modifies policy and all of those things. And certainly we um, have ramped all of that up post-COVID and really made it uh, even more of a top priority than it already was. Yeah,
0: good. And I like the point you made about how this, this situation has given you you know, a little opportunity to, to press pause and reflect as a business, right? You know, I think that you get in the day-to-day busyness and craziness and, you know, a lot can just go by, um, and, and time can go by and, you know, you're right. You know, this has has forced people to kind of reflect and, you know, where it's necessary, make some changes. And, um, you know, that's, uh, I think there's there's some good aspects of of the impact this will have, you know for for businesses for quite a while, just in terms of you know the openness to to change and and the, um, you know, like you you said earlier, the ability to be more agile um, and to to move faster when you know you need to, and you know that sort of stuff. So really good thoughts, Roger. And I really appreciate you being here and and sharing with us today. Would love to have you back sometime in the future to talk a little bit more about hiring and and retention.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it, and I look forward to uh, another one with you someday soon. Awesome. That
0: sounds good. You can find more insight on how companies are handling COVID complexity by visiting us at www.futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Twitter at the Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management by visiting www.ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.